Well, an up-and-down week with the market reacting to headlines about the South American weather and its effect on crops, as well as the NOPA crush numbers came out this week, but grain prices still seem to stay in a fairly tight trade range. Up and down and up and down all week long, and then we end up the week pretty much where we started. The Weekly Market by the Numbers with John Cavanaugh, David Coley, who is out for a period of time, brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. And, of course, the Farm Bureau supports so many things for farming. Top to bottom on the local level, the national level, the Farm Bureau is always there front and center supporting farm families. And your membership really makes all that happen. Support your local Farm Bureau with a membership online at itpaystobeamember.org. John, like I said, you know, things were up and down this week, and then pretty much we end the week almost exactly where we started. But let's start by talking about export sales because all of a sudden it seems like instead of being flat for several weeks, it seemed like every time that we got a flash sale, everybody got pretty excited about it. Well, this week, and for the past several days, we've been getting flash sale. Flash sale this week included 213,000 tons of corn to Mexico, 120,800 to unknown, and then another 128,000 tons of soybeans also to unknown. So, you know, John, starting to see some activity in that export sales report a little bit. Yeah, there's still some activity going on there, and I'm kind of surprised to see as many soybeans as there were. Uh, 128,000 tons to unknown is believed to probably be China, and I'm going to guess that China's just trying to cover themselves. What we talked about last week is there's so much demand going to Brazil for the beans that at some point vessels are going to back up and there may be shifts of beans over to the U.S. So maybe they're just getting themselves a backstop. And export sales this week were kind of middling. Corn was very good again at a million twenty-four thousand tons. That's 40 million bushels. But that's no surprise. The U.S. is the market for corn now and we're way behind on corn sales. Uh, you pointed out that this week we're still 242 million bushels behind what we need to hit the USDA goal. Will we make that up? I don't know. We could, but I don't think so. That's a lot of making up to do between now and the end of the crop year. You know, it's kind of interesting, Rob. Big buyer on corn again was China. Yeah. So the uh, problems that are going on between the U.S. and China right now, oh, that's going to hurt your buying of U.S. exports. No, it's not. (laughs) We we have the cheapest corn out there, and they're buying it. Brazil has the cheapest soybeans out there by a lot. It's more than a dollar a bushel below U.S. prices. Are they buying any U.S. soybeans? Well, maybe they did, but it wasn't because the price logistics may force them to buy some from here. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that you point out frequently, and that is the difference between sales and actual shipments. Actual shipments are falling short by about 155 million bushels when it comes to corn. And again, we talk about soybeans. Everybody kind of worried about them. And the thing is, you know, the conversation lately has been, well, are we going to be able to hold these $15 price levels on soybeans? The Export sales have exceeded the seasonal pace needed to hit USDA's target by 60-plus million bushels. Quite a bit. Yeah, so not so worrisome there. But again, back to the point that you've made in the past about watching the difference between export sales for corn and the export and the shipments of those. Quite a discrepancy right now. So giving the opportunity if they might end up canceling some of those original orders. Exactly that. Now, let's face it, the sales are real. Well, once it's shipped, it's shipped. Sales on the books, however, can be canceled or rolled forward to the next crop year. So you got to look at the shipments. That's the real deal. The sales yeah. are easily canceled or moved forward. 
And one of the other points that you've made in the past is about the competitiveness of South America. And I think it was only the last week or the week before that you were talking about Brazil and the fact that back in the day when you got started, that Brazil was not even a blip on the map. But there was a point that Karen Braun made in a tweet this past week. She said, before 2000, U.S. soybean yields were higher than Brazil's here in the U.S. But the difference is now is that U.S. soy harvested area is only up about 20 percent, but in Brazil, it's up 200 percent. Wow. People wonder why we spend so much time talking about South America, but there it is right there. This market has been tracking very closely not only the weather in South America, but its potential impact on both yields and ultimate production. But one of the interesting things at the moment is, is that there's not just stuff getting harvested coming out of the field, but you were referencing in a conversation we had some of the weather reports that are coming out that will bear on that safrina corn crop, the second corn crop that's getting planted right now. And as you have pointed out, 75% of the corn coming out of Brazil is the safrina corn crop. And they're behind in terms of planting that thing. Yeah, they are. What is it, Rob? Something like only 12% planned versus 28% last year. Right. And along those same lines, not Dr. Cordonier came out this week and he dropped his estimate of the total corn production in Brazil Mm. by 2 million tons because of the lateness of the safrina crop. And that suggests that the yields may not be as good as expected and it's possible even some of the acres may not get planted. So he's reducing his corn production in Brazil. We've got to keep an eye on that. That's very significant. Right now, dropping a 2 million tons is not a big deal. But if this trend continues and there are some additional problems out there, because of the lateness of planning, this could become significant. Well, it certainly was significant last year. You'll remember the weather they had last year. They had dryness, they had heat, they had frost and freezes. So, boy, if they have a repeat of that, they're going to be in some serious trouble. And, you know, when Dr. Cordonier says something about dropping production numbers, he's got a real hotline to South America when it comes to some of that kind of stuff. John, what about ethanol? Because that made a few headlines this week as well. And, of course, a lot of conversation going on in D.C. with Congress. They're continuing to try and make this uh, E15 a year-round deal. But uh, what do you hear in the ethanol market this week? Well, margins are still fairly decent. Both corn and soybean processing margins are Soybeans very good and corn is still good. Although, let me point out this. The ethanol margins are still positive, but not by much. Well, if the demand for gasoline is going down, then obviously at some point they're going to turn negative, if, assuming corn prices stay higher. And then you're going to see less and less corn used for ethanol use. But we're not there yet. They're still slightly profitable. But these building stocks have got to be a concern. So either demand picks up or things are going to slow down. But I've got one little confusion is that the EIA number suggests gasoline demand went down. Prices are still relatively reasonable. Nothing hits me as the obvious, but I'll say something that is obvious. We're getting close to spring and spring vacation. And what do people do? They hit the road, they go to Florida or wherever. Right. I think this is just a temporary pullback in demand. Talk is already starting about planting intentions for corn and beans here in the Midwest. It sure seems to me that after the February WASTE report came out, a lot of people were looking at it going, mm, yeah, eh, not much there. Just wait for the March report. That's because 
in March, we begin to get those planting intentions for corn and beans. And the talk is that maybe there's going to be more bean acres than corn acres because of fertilizer prices. But John, fertilizer prices are coming down. Yeah, they've come down quite a bit, actually, although they're still relatively high, especially where they were just a couple of years ago. However, we've got to go back to that ratio. And that ratio is still running around 2.3. That's the new crop corn bean ratio. And that's a number that, by the way, I just saw a report on that. But that ratio historically suggests that corn acres could increase by 2%, which would suggest acres, planted acres at around 90 million. But that's kind of where most people are anyway. And of course, remember next week, uh, February 23rd and 24th, we get our Ag Outlook Forum. That's not overly significant. It gets a lot of interest. But remember, those are paper numbers. There's no survey done. Preliminary reporting report doesn't come out until March the 31st. I was looking at a chart here the other day, and it looked like fertilizer prices had come down to about where they were last summer, but that, to your point, is still twice what they were in the fall of 2020. So I don't know how much fertilizer prices are going to bear on people's decisions about what they're going to plant as we go forward. Anything that we missed this week? You had a final word about uh, about beef, actually, that was kind of interesting. Well, it is. So I got two final words. Fed cattle prices this week uh, hit $160 per hundredweight, and that's the highest since May of 2015. But speaking of the highest... Soybean meal prices are very, very high, and they've been strong for some time. And this week, soybean meal prices were the strongest in nine years. And along that same line, because soybean meal prices are so high, China is now actively trying to reduce soybean meal content of its feed rations. They're trying to get that down sharply because the price is so high. And some people are saying that, well, given this big Brazilian crop, it's going to be huge. And given the fact they're trying to cut back their soybean meal consumption and their feed rations, this could be bearish for soybeans. Wow, Kavanaugh, good final word. You're right, we do have to keep an eye on that. This week's Market by the Numbers brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. Farming has a lot of challenges right now, many of which none of us have time or legal knowledge to even engage in, like the fight with Biden's EPA over the waters of the U.S. That is critical for farming. The Farm Bureau is also fully engaged in getting Farm Bill priorities in the hands of incoming lawmakers in D.C. The Farm Bureau's efforts to support farming on the state and the national level are only possible with your Farm Bureau membership. Support your local Farm Bureau with a membership. Go online to it. Pays to be a member.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.